Open your Bibles this evening to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 21. We'll be reading together verses 1 through 6. Let's give our attention now to the Word of God. Luke 21, verses 1 through 6. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture and for the immensely practical way in which it speaks to us of our worship to you and the gifts that we bring as an offering to you. Lord, would you be pleased to look upon us through that robe of righteousness which your Son has obtained for us that you might see in us his righteousness, and we in turn be accepted for that. Bless us now as we consider your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our text this evening continues to chronicle the events that are taking place in the final week of our Savior's life on earth before his suffering and death. Now, for those of you who have been here and been kind of following along as we've worked through some of these recent things, you may remember how Luke has highlighted specific events. Think of Jesus going to the home of Zacchaeus and there bestowing salvation upon that household. Then we saw Jesus on his way into Jerusalem, weeping over Jerusalem because they had hardened their hearts and rejected again and again and again the opportunities that they were given to have eternal life. We see Jesus entering into the city of God on a donkey. We see him cleansing the temple. And we've seen him giving various practical lessons on worship and serving God in spirit and in truth. Now, if you and I were asked, I have little doubt, but that we would regard each of those events that Luke has mentioned as being pretty high on the scale of significance, on the scale of importance. And we would be correct, because each of those are valuable lessons of truth that apply to our lives as they did those who heard them. 
But that makes the importance of, of those events make what Jesus has to say about this widow and her offering all the more amazing. My friends, had we been there that day, had we been numbered among the disciples of Jesus Christ who were with him there in the temple, I'm not so sure we would have noticed the same thing he noticed. A couple of details that we mention just to kind of set the table where we are in this, this passage. Number one, Luke 21, we're dealing with things that are taking place on Wednesday morning. So just a little bit more than a day before his arrest and trial and death. Secondly, when we read, he looked up and saw this widow, this poor widow. That indicates that Jesus was in the court of women. I don't know how many of you have ever studied the the layout of the temple and and what all was involved, but the, the temple basically had four main sections. So the first section was the court of Gentiles. So anyone could come into that outer court in within the temple. The next section was the court of women. So no Gentile could enter into this court, but Jewish women could. But that was as far as they could go. And then high above that was the sanctuary where Jewish men could go, but they could not go farther. And then lastly was the holy place, and within that the holy of holies, where only the priest could enter. So Jesus is in that court of the women and he is, is observing this woman putting in her offering into the receptacles there. So the third thing we want to know is there were 13 large trumpet-shaped receptacles where people could walk up and drop their money in and it would go down a, a chute into a box where the priest could collect the offerings. So these 13-shaped Our trumpet-shaped receptacles were for tithes and offerings. As Jesus is sitting there watching all these people putting in their money, he sees something extraordinary. And Luke, in this very brief section, records the telling words from the lips of our Savior, three things that were especially significant about the widow and her two mites. Number one, we see that Jesus notices the widow's mite. Number two, that he values highly the widow's mite. And then lastly, that he magnifies, he emphasizes, he, he demonstrates that this was greater than anything else going on. And so he magnifies that widow's might. 
Now let's look, first of all, at the fact that Jesus notices the widow's mind. I don't know about you, but I find it absolutely amazing. When we read verse 2, that he saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. Of all the things that Jesus could have been doing at that moment, just 36 hours before he would be arrested and condemned to die, what, what would you do if you knew you had 36 hours to live? Do you think you would just come into church and sit down and kind of look around? Of all the things that Jesus could be doing, we find him sitting in the temple in the court of women, watching, looking, observing what people were doing and why because he could see their hearts would you not think that maybe there would have been something more important for Jesus to do in the final hours of his life on earth would there not be better things for him to do maybe to meet with some some Movers and shakers in the Jewish community to, to try and, and change the outcome of what was about to happen. Or maybe at least sit down with his disciples and make some plans about the coming of the kingdom of God. And yet, what does he do? He goes into the temple. He sits down. And he begins to watch the people. And he takes a particular interest in this widow and her offering. My friends, realize no one else, no one else in that temple that day noticed this widow. Much less her meager offering that she gave. I think it's safe to say that no one there that day really cared that she was there. Let me just encourage you. Don't take anyone's presence in this place for granted. Don't think it's inconsequential. Take notice of who's here. And take notice of how they appear, what their needs might be. Take an interest in people. That day, only Jesus took notice of this widow and her offering. And we, we, we almost, if we were just thinking humanly speaking, we might say, well, Sure, I mean, she's she just a poor widow. She really didn't contribute anything to the, to, the, to the gathering together of God's people. And after all, she only gave two mites. Now, different versions translate this different. ESV says small coins. 
but I, I want us to give us a clear picture of what we're talking about here. Literally, the word is lepta. And we know that Jesus, in the previous section, asked to see a denarius. Denarius was equivalent of a day's wage. Let's just say for, for practical purposes and easy to understand, particularly for children, that a, a denarius was a quarter. A lepta was one-eighth of one penny. So children, think about a penny the smallest coin we have in our, our financial system, a penny, and then cut that penny up in eight pieces. And one of those pieces would be equivalent to what this woman was giving, actually two of them. So here is this woman with a tiny, tiny, financial offering and Jesus takes note of it let's try to bring this home in this way there's number of men in this congregation and every Sunday morning they come down the aisle with offering plates in their hand and they pass those plates down the rows in front of the people to collect our offerings how many of you who have participated in that procedure have seen a child reach out and drop a few pennies into the offering plate? And when you saw that, did it strike you? Did it make an impression upon you? Did you say, wow, that child just gave two pennies? to the offering of the Lord. Maybe you don't take up the offering. Maybe you help count it. And when you're counting and you open an envelope and there inside a child is placed two pennies, do you look at that? And are you struck with the, the implications of that, that this child has given something? And does it make an impression? Do you look at those pennies? in amazement that they had given that to the Lord's offering. That's what Jesus does. Jesus sees this widow and he sees this tiny offering of one-fourth of one penny And it makes an impression. He takes that tiny offering and he turns it into a poignant example of unparalleled devotion to God. He notices this widow and her offering. And brethren, you and I can learn a lot from this passage of scripture. And one of the most valuable lessons that will stand us for the rest of our days is we learn this, that the Lord Jesus Christ sees and he notices 
everything you do for the kingdom. Everything. It doesn't matter whether you're a young child or you're the oldest adult in our midst. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. Jesus sees everything you do for the kingdom of God, no matter how great or how small. Children, young people, and adults, have you ever thought that maybe you don't have much that's worthwhile to give to God? Have you ever thought that, that you don't have any significant or meaningful way to serve God? You don't have a lot of money to give. You're not especially gifted in singing or, or music or teaching Sunday school or preaching the Word of God. Well, my friends, if that is you, this passage is speaking to you right now. And it's saying no matter how small, two lepta, one-fourth of one penny, no matter how small your gift may be, Jesus notices it. And he counts it as a priceless contribution to the work of the kingdom. And so if you're giving pennies into the offering plate, or maybe if you're just noticing a, a visitor or perhaps one of our widows, and you take the time to speak a few kind words to them, you greet someone, you ask someone how you can pray for them this coming week, you hold open the door for someone as they are approaching that door. Even if no one else notices what you've done. If no one else acknowledges what you've done. Jesus sees. And he regards that service, however small, of immense value. And that brings us to our second point, that Jesus values the widow's might. Because he not only notices what she did, but he has some rather extraordinary words to say about what she did. And in order that we might know exactly just how much this gift, this tiny financial gift, meant to Christ... Luke records his response in verse 3. So if you look at verse 3, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of the rest of them. How can that be? All around this woman, we're told in verse 1, the rich were giving their offerings. Those that had tons of money were coming. They were putting in large sums of gold and silver and, and other gifts. How could Jesus say 
that this woman put in more than all of them. Well, my friends, here is an excellent example of a truth that was taught to the prophet Samuel many, many years ago when God sent him to anoint David as king of Israel. And you'll be familiar, most of you, with these words, 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord does not see what man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. They look at a person's clothes. They, they look at what kind of car they drive. They look at how much they put in the offering plate. But the Lord looks on the heart. Do you understand the point? The point here is when you're dealing with God, it's not what you give. It's not how much you give. It's the heart with which you give it. And this woman shines like a star of the first magnitude when it comes to giving from the heart. The Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, he says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Maybe you don't have a lot to give, but give it with all your heart. Give it with joy. Maybe you don't have a lot to contribute to the service of God or the work of the kingdom, but what you have, give it and give it joyfully because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Our Savior, I believe, goes on to explain exactly what he means when he says this woman has given more than all of them. And what made this widow's small gift so valuable? Let me suggest three things here. Number one, her gift was an expression of her priority. For her, God came first. She put in all that she had. She put in everything. Now, commentators differ here. They, they seem to think that what Jesus is saying is she had probably worked the day before. She received these two small coins, and she put in everything she had to live on for that day. It's not that she would never have any more and she was going to die of starvation, but she made God a priority. All of these other people, Jesus says, gave out of their abundance. They had so much, they could give $100,000 and it, they wouldn't blink an eye. But this woman, out of her poverty, gave Everything she 
had. Now, my friends, nothing, nothing reveals the place God has in our lives like how we spend our money. It's a clear sign of who's first in our lives. Now listen, I've, I've been there. I know what it is to struggle to make the next payment on the power bill or to skip the power bill so you could pay the phone bill. But one thing that we have learned in years and years and years is God comes first. And before we think about how we're going to spend the money that we have, God gets his tithe. And if possible, above that, an offering is given to him as well. Remember how, how God speaks through the prophet Malachi. As the people of God have become cold and lifeless and, and dead. And God asked the question in Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? And they're like, how, how have we robbed you? And he says, because you stop bringing the tithe into my house. And so what does he say in verse 10? He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room to contain it. You make God first, and he will take care of the rest. For this woman, I, I am satisfied, this woman knew the promise of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. This widow can teach us about sacrificial giving. My spiritual father, who from the time I was 18 for the next 45 plus 48 years, we knew, we prayed together, we, we spent time together at every opportunity and this man never had a lot of money. It seemed like he always struggled to have enough to meet his obligations. But I didn't find out until late in his life. And he told me, he said, if God is really first, if he's really primary in my life, I determined I needed to give him 51% of all the money that came in. Now, I don't know that that's a hard and fast rule that we should all follow. But the point is pretty clear. God was first in this man's life. And he never lacked for a home, for food, for shelter. God provided for him. And so it was with this widow. Secondly, her gift was an expression of her faith. This widow was trusting God to take care of her. So much that she could give 
everything she had for that day and know that God would provide for her needs. She trusted him. She had faith in him. It's like the Apostle Paul writing from prison and telling the Philippians, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Paul, even though his circumstances were hard, was trusting God. Scriptures are full of examples of this and how people trusted God and as a result were blessed by him. And we don't have time to turn there, but 1 Kings 17 and verse 8 and following tells the story of the widow of Zarephath. I'm going to be looking at this at the men's breakfast on Saturday. And God says to Elijah, go to Zarephath, to a widow, to take care of you there. And Elijah goes, and here's this widow picking up a few sticks. And you know the story. She has just a handful of meal and a few drops of oil left. She's going to make her final meal, and she expects she and her son will die because they have nothing. And Elijah says, ma'am... Uh, go and get me a drink of water, please. And as she goes, she says, and and while you're at it, make me a little cake. I I need something to eat. And she says, Mr., I, I don't have anything, just enough for our last meal. And he basically says, go and do as I have said, and the meal will not run dry. And the oil will not cease. You put God first. You put him in the test where he says to put him in the test. And he will bless so that there will not be room to contain it. This woman's gift was an expression of her priority. It was an expression of her faith. And it was an expression of her love. True love delights in giving sacrificially. David, at the end of his life, was a plague in the nation of Israel. And David is is told by the prophet Gad to go to the threshing floor and to make an offering to God and the plague would cease. David goes and Ornan or Arona, depending on how you, you, you read it, uh, the, the man there says, here's everything that you need. Here's oxen, here's wood, here's everything. You, you, you take whatever you need to make a sacrifice. And David says, how shall I offer unto the Lord that which costs me nothing? That which costs you nothing won't mean much to give away. This should be an expression of our love. We see a couple of excellent examples of this, do we not? In John 3.16, God so loved that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life.
And Paul tells husbands to love their wives like Christ loved the church. How did he love her? He loved the church and gave himself for her. He gave everything for her. True love delights in sacrificial giving. Well, the last point I think is perhaps the most impressive of all that we have here, and that's what we find in verses 5 and 6. Jesus magnifies the widow's might. In verse 5, then as some spoke of the temple and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. It may seem like Jesus is moving into an entirely separate, completely different category of thought. But I think there's a close connection because what Jesus has been trying to tell his disciples and to teach his disciples is to look at this widow and see a pattern of how we are to live our lives, giving everything in a way that pleases God. But you know what? The disciples don't appear to have been listening very well. They're so captivated as they're standing there looking at this this magnificent building. It's so impressive. And they're they're looking at the stones and, and what stones? We've never seen anything like this. We've never seen the grandeur of such a building. And they talk about the stones and they talk about all these people putting in all that money all day long. Look at all that money. And that was dominating their thoughts. Now, listen. The temple was pretty impressive. So this temple was the temple that was destroyed by the Chaldeans and then rebuilt by Herod in the time of Jesus. And so this temple had stones. Now, we're not talking about large limestones. You, you go downtown and you see these old buildings here in Carlisle, and, and there's some pretty big stones in those buildings. These stones, according to Josephus, some of them were 60 Seven feet long. I meant to pace off the distance from front to back here, but I didn't do it. So I'm not sure where we are in in perspective, but 67 feet long. Nine feet wide. And seven and a half feet tall. These were some pretty impressive stones. This is not your average building block. That's what the disciples were taking note of. In addition to the stones, there were rows upon rows all the way around the the temple area of white marble, polished marble columns. 
70 feet tall. I was, we were reading last night in, in, I guess it was Chronicles about Solomon's temple and one of the columns being 30 cubits tall. That's 75 feet tall. Massive stones, marble columns. The sanctuary was 75 feet above the court of the Gentiles. You had to walk up all kinds of steps just to get to the sanctuary where God promised to meet with his people. So on the one hand, it's not hard to understand why the the disciples are looking around at the building and saying, wow. But Jesus looks at this widow and her two mites and he says, wow, do you see that? That's heartfelt service. That's heartfelt giving. The temple was a stunning sight to behold. It would have been a marvel to the eye and to the soul. But listen, it was temporary. And Jesus says in a few short years, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. It's magnificent, but it won't last But he looks at this woman and he sees a far more stunning picture of the beauty and the value of the work of God's grace in the heart. Here he sees a work of God in the soul of this woman that will last forever. The temple would be destroyed, but her life in Christ will never end. Think of those words how Paul starts the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice unto God dear congregation don't let the beauty and the glitter and the pleasures of this world that's passing away don't let that capture your affections give your heart 100% to the living God. Don't let this world and all the things that are so attractive to us distract you from what is really important and that is trusting Christ and Christ alone. Living for Him, for His glory, in His service. No matter how small your gift will be, 
It won't be smaller than two mites. But Jesus looks at this woman and he says, that's what I want for my church. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace, for your power, for the exceeding greatness of that power in the heart of this poor widow who was willing to give everything she had in service of her God. Oh, Lord, would you do that work in us? Would you fill us with joy in serving you, whether our offerings are great or small? May they be for your glory. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, let's take